0: Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Uh, Mike and here, Mike and I are here in my home church's basement. Um, the church was kind enough to let us set up in a corner as we are supposed to be staying away from the uh, college for the week if possible. And uh, tomorrow life gets even more interesting here in Wisconsin. We're going to be a uh, well, it's basically shelter at home, but what are they calling it? Uh, be nice Safely to your neighbor or something. Safe at home, or, safe something at home or something. So Mike and I are on a blitz trying to record a lot of podcast sessions today since we might not be able to meet face-to-face um, as easily or as much coming up. So, we'll Or maybe, maybe ever. Right, maybe, maybe ever. ever. That would be sad. And this could be
1: the apocalyptic end.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, but let's hope not. And yeah. In the meanwhile, uh, <laughs> Zoom is a possibility we can do as well. But uh, we are on the fourth or fifth podcast session for today. 6th Just think about that, Mike. Six today.
1: But the last one was really short. And we were
0: getting <laughs> yeah. a little tired. We uh, It's a lot of changing topics. We're kind of trying to prep for each other's stuff. It's been a lot of prep, been long nights. And uh, we're rejuvenated. Mike was kind enough To get us a Domino's pizza, and uh, Domino's pizza does the job for Doctor Johnston. So I feel feel ready to rally. And what we're going to be talking about now, this is our first podcast session for Theology 235 Romans. Now, I have done a number of videos at the YouTube website or on the YouTube website for Romans, and uh, um, so you should. I've done nine videos. In fact, I just looked it up. Uh, So students should be following along there, but I will send out this link too, um, and and students should be subscribing to the podcast. We're going to do at least one. We'll see how time works today, Uh, and I figured we would try that with Romans 11 and see how that works, and then there will be more videos, maybe more podcast sessions to come. But I thank Mike for working with me. And so what we're going to be discussing, walking our way through, is as Paul continues to build his argument... His grand thesis statement for Romans is one seventeen: the just shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith. And we have a, there's a nice review video, I don't know if it's nice, but there's a review video I made um, up through chapter 8. Um, that's available on the YouTube channel, uh, which you can check out if you're interested, uh, students, that's a review you should be looking at. Um, But listeners, if you're interested as well, then uh, you can go to the YouTube channel. Then now I will will take my lunch. There's information on it on the Facebook page too. But Paul in Romans 7, or maybe let's start with 6, talks about the new baptismal life we lead. Romans 7, that this life is a struggle. We have a sinful nature that is at war with our new man as Christ dwells in us through faith now. Paul then unpacks, though, the comfort we have in Romans 8, in the Spirit who gives us hope. And this is not hope like, I hope I win the lottery um, or I hope the Lions win the Super Bowl, but it's a sure and certain hope. And then he says this, uh, he builds this argument that this all goes back to our election, that it's not rooted in us at all. It's not something we have done to earn salvation, but God has chosen us, right? And there's a certain power to that, to be chosen by someone. Um, This is, you know, the love of marriage that you have chosen this spouse. Um, and so God has chosen us. He foreknew us, <coughs> and predestined us, and then justified us. Romans 9 is going to unpack what this means for election. Um, as Some might grumble, well, why did he choose these people? Or I might even doubt, why would he choose me? There's nothing in me. And Paul is going to uh, emphasize that God's choosing is rooted in God and his love. And then he's going to say, um, unfortunately for many in Israel, uh, this has become a stumbling block this righteousness that is through faith and not based on works, God's gracious choosing of people. And so some of the uh, Jews, his brothers and sisters at the time, um, I the Jewish race and faith, had stumbled at this. It had become a stumbling block. Romans 10 then, he emphasizes that there's free salvation for all, Jew and Gentile alike, and so it's a righteousness of faith, not a righteousness of works. You can stand before God according to either but only one ends with you standing before God as innocent, and that's the righteousness of faith, because we're unable to keep uh, the whole lot and to do our works perfectly in every way. Romans 11 now is going to go back to the theme of Jew and Gentile. And the Gentiles might have been a little bit tempted to think, well, these Jews, you know, they're really rejecting Christ, but we're believers. And you might have had this reverse, and it's not so um, crazy to think this might happen, whereas before maybe the Gentiles thought they were looked down upon by Jewish believers, that now they might think, well, you know, we Gentiles, we're the ones who really get it. Um, We're where it's at. And so Paul is going to caution them and say, hey, you will fall into the same trap. Uh, If you try to exalt yourself, that's self-righteousness. That's work righteousness. And you forget that you've received this by faith. But he also says this is not to mean Um, that more Jews will not come to faith. He says, in fact, God is doing this uh, so that more Jews might come to faith, that they might be stirred to jealousy at the grace that has been given to the Gentiles. And so that's the basic context of chapter 11. And God is going to remind us, too, that he always has his remnant. Um, That just because many of the Jews were rejecting Christ did not mean that God was not preserving his remnant who would come to faith in the Savior. And so um, this too will kind of hinge on election. Uh, At the beginning in verse 2, Paul will say, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. All those among the Jews and the Gentiles who God has elected for salvation will be saved. So powerful is God's promise uh, that it cannot be stopped. It will reach his people. And he gives the example then of Elijah and you might remember from the Old Testament, Elijah thinks he's the only one left. The the Israelites have killed the prophets. Um, you know the wicked king has persecuted the faith. He's torn down the um, the holy places, and uh, and Elijah says, "It's just me, Lord. I'm the only one." And God uh, says to him, "I have kept for myself uh, seven thousand men. There is the." There is the remnant. And he says, so too at the present time. And this remnant is not a remnant that will earn salvation, but it's one chosen by grace. And there he throws out a verse that I'll throw to you, Mike, but he says in verse 6, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And maybe, Mike, just if you want to unpack a little, why wouldn't grace be grace? Um, if it were in any way based on works,
1: if grace is a free gift and an undeserved love, then it cannot be by works. These are two—I mean—they're just not logically compatible. And so, oh, we've talked about this before. That um, if if God owes us something, then it's no longer love; it's an obligation God has for us. And so, put yourself in a father-child relationship, right? You—the father says, "You know, I will feed you, I will love you, I will do these things for you. If and only if." You follow the rules of the family or live up to the family name. Um, and notice how when we parent, hopefully we give love first. We make somebody, we, we bring them up and so that they are a type of person, you know, that, that lives uh, a life of good citizenry. Um, that is a loving person. So the, the love comes first. Now it's even more so when it comes to God because he has to make righteous. He has to make us righteous. He has to declare us righteous and, and then prepares good deeds in advance for us to do. And so if the love depended on us doing something, it by definition would not be love and everything would be, would be backwards. So it's kind of like a, a business agreement you make, make with God. And so, you know, in chapters 10 and 11, uh, St. Paul is not saying, uh, you know, uh, this This has nothing to do with ethnicity, right? And it's hard for us to understand that because we live we live with the unfortunate uh, tradition of racism in our world and in our thought. And so uh, when St. Paul says, you know, he uses the name Israel, we immediately think about, well, all of Jews? No, he's just saying that some. In fact, he does make that case that there are. We're going to define things now by grace. Who is a true Israelite, a son of Abraham? Well, there is no Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter. It is a person who trusts. And so um, um, it's it's hard for us to, to put our fingers on that. And in fact, a lot of Christians mess this up. And I don't just mean Christians who are anti-Semitic. I mean, that's that's a whole nother heinous thing. But people who think that... Um, <clears throat> Saint Paul is just talking about actual jewish people are going to be saved um, by their ethnicity or that they need to be saved first before God's return comes yeah. before Jesus returns and this really has huge ramifications for geopolitics today and I really like the the branches thing the 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 idea of branches are grafted on to, uh, to a, to a vine, right. Um, that the Gentiles were grafted on to that and, uh, and a little bit of respect for the Jewish people and their heritage here, right. Which I don't know that we always get like evangelicals do this very well. Um, although with a, with a, maybe, um, a bad motive, uh, their bad motive, or I should say, their incomplete motive or misguided motive, is to get Jews to be uh, 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 followers of Christ, and therefore, then Christ would return. It's really As a selfish use of yeah, it. Like, let's it get is. Jesus back. Let's. Um, but I think Paul kind of is saying to the Gentiles here. You know, it's kind of a subtext here, and I, he may actually brings it up to the to the front of the of the text too. Is you know what the, these Jewish people were pretty special and, uh, they, they were, but because of grace, right. And, and, and how does he put that? Right. The, uh, you know, the root gives, gives, (laughs) gives something to the, to the branches, not the other way around. Right. So uh, just
0: as much as you were grafted on, although while, while, uh, olive shoot in the same way, uh, Right. This, you can fall from this grace.
1: Yeah. So I, I think there's probably something that we could do in our Christian churches here to, well, quite frankly, be.
0: Remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports. You. Yeah,
1: too. And, and I think we do that by making sure that our pastors know Hebrew. Right. Right. Um, but. Uh, and, and and I don't know if you want to go down this rabbit hole, but like the the Christian Seder and stuff like that, you know, I mean, there, there are some maybe a little bit problem at, problems with that. And what we mean by that is that the Passover Seder and to uh, to celebrate the Passover Seder in a Christian church, I think it can be healthy in a in a just a didactic way uh, you know trying to figure out what was jesus doing on the last supper what did the old testament uh, jews do and get, gets us into that mode but that can become like oh it's a little curious kind of thing you know right. or we can go the opposite side and say this is somehow commanded by god or that this makes us closer to god uh, we got to be careful with that kind of thing but the, the passover and the seder is a connection between the Jewish religion and the Christian religion still today that can be a common point of contact.
0: Yeah, and so Paul's going to build on this argument then that it rests entirely by grace, which means that no one people ought to claim um, the gospel or salvation as their own particular possession, as if it were not for others as well. And here I want to hit on something that Christians sometimes get confused by. Um, in verse uh, 7, Paul is going to say, the elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. I'm talking about what Israel failed to obtain. And we read that hardened. And that can be a difficult thing in Scripture. And some will read that and take, we'll see, this must be the, the reprobate. But I just want to point out again how God is speaking about this historically. How he has used people in history. So <clears throat> so this is a this hardening is, is God using someone for an ignoble purpose in history. Um, and so Paul comes back to that, so because they have hardened, they have stumbled, and he quotes some Old Testament passages, um, for instance, David um, <clears throat> says it that uh, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. But he comes back and says in verse 11, so I asked did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Um, <clears throat> that their inclusion might come, Paul talks about. And so here, <coughs> too, that we not read into this some sort of a double predestination or that we not always read into talk of hardening the notion that someone can no longer come to faith. This is not necessarily the sin against the Holy Spirit. That Paul is talking about here. Um, precisely their hardening has sent Paul to the Gentiles, right? He would go first mm-hmm. to the synagogue, then to the Gentiles. And the hope is that that having taken place, just as God used the Israelites in their hardening to take Paul to the Gentiles, that the Gentiles coming to faith will incite Israel to jealousy, that Paul will be able to then go back and proclaim the good news to them. So, when the hardening and the choosing comes up here, notice it's used in the context of grace. Again and again, it's connected with <clears throat> grace. And so this is election is comfort for the Gentiles, but also comfort for those who are worried about those of Israel who have not come to faith yet, that God will bring those he has chosen to faith. Um, and so he says, rather, through their trespass, has, um, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous, Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Uh, And so Paul's going to build on this argument and then talk about this picture of an olive tree and branches being grafted on. Now, the branches that were naturally fitted for the tree, right, that they naturally grew, this is Israel. And God is going. Paul is going to say God has removed some of those branches, to uh, to graft in the Gentiles, who were uh, just a wild, wild olive shoot, right? But even as he says so, um, he says to them, "Be careful that you don't turn this into a point of pride, as if it was something in you that led God to choose you." So notice once again, this is not a work righteousness, or um, trying to divine why God might choose some. He says, they were broken off because of your unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. It's only through faith that you have become part of this tree. Uh, And he says, even if they do not continue in their unbelief, um, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature... (coughs) into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? And I think this is getting at some of what you were saying, Mike, too, is the Jews were historically situated to recognize the Messiah. They had things like the Passover, the Seder, that pointed to this. And so we see this fulfillment in Christ. And so there will be those from the Jews who still um, will come to faith, and the Gentiles ought not think the gospel is for all. Notice on both sides, with the Jew and Gentile alike, he's combating, any, he's combating any notion that would constrict the gospel, that would limit Christ's work, that would lead people to assume, well, they had their chance, the gospel's not for them. This is the gospel is for everyone and we don't give up on anyone, is what Paul is, is driving home. And so there will be some from the Jews, he says still who will be coming into the kingdom, and they are the natural branches, right? They've been given these rites and ceremonies that were meant to point to Christ. Um, And so he then speaks of the mystery of salvation and and says in verse 26 something I want to pick up on too. He says, and in this way all Israel will be saved. And this goes exactly to what you were talking about, Mike. Some people, believe it or not, some people don't read the Bible carefully, (laughs) And some people don't read this chapter carefully and they think this means the conversion of all the Jews will take place. Um, When we talk of Israel in the New Testament, Mike, what do we mean by by Israel? Do we mean just Jews?
1: We mean those who are righteous (coughs) by faith, the true sons and daughters of Abraham, right? and There is no Jew or Gentile, right? I mean, how many times does Paul have to say it, right? So we just mean Israel by faith, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so that all Israel will be saved is all the elect will be saved. All God's people will be brought into the kingdom and God is patient in, in doing so. He then is going to continue with verse 28 through 32 and I'll read it and we can comment. He says, As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. That is, those Jews who have not converted and are hostile to the gospel. But regards as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Right? We ought to respect all that was given to them and Use those things to point them to, the, to Christ. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If God has elected someone, they're going to be saved. It's just the way it is. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now receive mercy because of their disobedience, so they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. And here is an in- interesting thing. Um, Notice how God loves to show his grace by justifying the ungodly, by redeeming those who are in enmity towards him. Um, He uses the the weakness and the the simple things of this world to shame the wise and the strong. And so this pattern that is taking place, and so then Paul says in 32, for God has consigned all to disobedience. In other words, we're all born disobedient right? We have original sin, that he may have mercy on all. And here on the all, again, is is God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of his Son. But the all here also is especially on all peoples, on Jew and Gentile alike. So he's hammering again home. We do not make distinctions between peoples. Jesus is Savior for all. God uh, will choose his people from among the kingdoms. There will be no more diverse place than heaven. Mm -hmm. Paul is then going to unpack that a little bit more, but he's going to warn how unsearchable his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. So this is not a point of speculation. Election is not something we ought to be speculating about, which is something people love to speculate Mm -hmm. about. Why some and not others, right? You always got to Mm -hmm. say that. Well, why are you asking? Mm -hmm. What do you want to know? Um, But we know that in the end, verse 36 brings it together as he closes it, for, him in, for from him and through him and to him are all things. In the end, God's plan will be accomplished. All things in God, in Christ, will come to pass which are to come to pass. And what has God revealed of him and who he is and what he wants for us? Paul says elsewhere, I preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. There we find God in mercy I'm um, in grace. And so we have things like uh, COVID-19, the pandemic now. and uh, people will say, well, where is God in all this? It's not our job to find Him in all this. It's our job to find Him where He's promised to be. and where is He promised to be, in word and sacrament, uh, which delivers the fruit of the cross to us. and there he is for all, um, for whoever might be suffering in this. And so this doctrine of election does not restrict our preaching as if we're only to preach to certain elect Mm -hmm. and that we can recognize that, it universalizes it. It means that that we are to go to all and say God has chosen you in Christ Jesus um, to be his own dear child, right? Through the means of grace, through baptism and preaching. Uh, Any thoughts that come to Mike with uh, with that? I I talked a lot.
1: No, sorry, just a couple (coughs) notes. I... I appreciate what he said about when he's talking about the branches being grafted on, um, that, uh, he gives a real strict warning to the Gentiles. Like if I can harden the, some of the branch, the natural branches, because they refuse to, you know, go with this righteousness by faith and insist on being judged by, don't you think that these kind of weak branches that are right there, you know, and, and just, if you know, kind of horticulture and stuff like that, um, grafted most of the plants that you know are actually grafted onto different things uh-huh. because they've been, and, uh, they can become stronger, but at first those, you know, you got to go through a lot of trials and, um, and test this with genetics and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's, there's, it's weakness. I mean, you just think about like, you know, amputee or something like that. There, there's weakness. So you. you Gentiles, you're, you're still a little bit weak here. Let's not, let's not uh, start bragging about this. And then the irrevocable gifts, we're not, we're not saying that once saved, always saved in the sense that uh, nobody can theoretically not fall away, but God's gift to us, he's not going to take back. Right? He's not going to take back. You can reject it theoretically, but he's not going to take it back. Um, so yeah, I think that was real tight uh, 25 minutes that you did there. Like, well, thank you. Like you liked it? You know, I think the longer we go, the tired we get, but the, I think maybe the sharper our minds are. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, well, good. Maybe not.
0: Well, if, I don't like, have a lot else other than to tell students take notes on the chapter. Make sure you're submitting that. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, and in the meanwhile, whether you're Jew or Gentile, I know that Christ came for you and let the bird fly.